Today on Yap, we're featuring my appearance on the Follow Your Dream podcast hosted by Robert Miller. Robert is a member of Project Grand Slam, a rock and jazz band with 11 released albums and millions of streams. His podcast, Follow Your Dream, was inspired by Robert's passion for music that he reignited at 60 years young. During the interview, I reveal all the times I've been rejected in my career and how those failures were actually opportunities that led me to where I am today. We discuss how I originally left the entertainment industry and how my social media and podcast agency, Yap Media, started so organically that it was basically an accident. If you need a burst of inspiration to follow your dreams, stay tuned in. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the Follow Your Dream podcast. So hala taha. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, what an introduction. I'm super excited for the show. It sounds like it's going to be a great time. Well, you know, you're the podcast princess, so you know how to do this better than anybody. Tell me, what is it like for you to be kind of at the top of the ladder? And then we're going to go back and look at your journey there. Oh, what a great way to start. You know, sometimes I have to pinch myself because I feel like I'm literally you know, living my dream career. It's incredible that I can make a living off reading, you know, one minute commercials and I'll, you know, spend an hour recording and be like, wow, I just made, you know, X amount of money. I remember when I first started, I wasn't making any money for the first couple of years. And it's just incredible to have all these listeners, to have all this influence, to be able to monetize my show the the way I have. And I'm just really proud of myself for leveraging what I built on social on my podcast to then turn it into an agency and a podcast network and help other people grow and monetize their personal brands and podcasts. Everybody, do you see why I wanted to have this lady on the show? Because she's one of the few podcasts that is actually making money doing this. <laughs> and she's very, very successful. I'm going to learn a lot from her, I promise. Okay, so let's start back. Because you started out kind of at the bottom of the ladder. I, you know, I, I took a look at your background. You were a radio production assistant, right? Yes. So start with that and let's kind of build up and see how it all came about. Yeah. So when I was 19 years old, I got an internship at Hot 97, which at the time was the world's number one hip hop and R&B station. It still is. And I basically had this college internship. I was a junior in college. Then they promoted me to be Angie Martinez's intern, who was the voice of New York on the top show in America, period. It was the top morning show, top show in America, period. And I essentially became her assistant and associate producer. I was 19 years old, I ended up dropping out of college because they wanted me to work there every day. And every day they'd be like, Holly, can you stay? Holly, can you come tomorrow? And I would skip class. And then eventually I was like, okay, I need to just drop out of school because this is becoming my job. But all the while I was actually an unpaid intern because in radio, you have to pay your dues. And often the on-air personalities that you hear, they may have worked for free at the station for five to seven years and then got their first gig as like an overnight online personality DJ at the radio station. So you kind of have to do that. You got to do that in a lot of places. I have to yeah. say, you know, the, the free intern thing is everywhere. Did it you is. Be in radio, was that your goal at that moment or you just fell into that job? 
Well, I always wanted to be a singer. I always knew that I was going to use my voice to impact the world. So I actually applied to be an intern at Hot 97 to push the music I was writing and singing. But when I got to Hot 97, I fell in love with radio and I was really good at it. I was really good at research. From the start, they had me reading commercials on air. I was always brought on to speak on air. I started my own online radio shows on the side, which is the precursor of podcasts. So ever since I was 19 years old, I was basically doing podcasts, but the, that version of podcast at the time was online radio shows. And so I fell in love with it and then quickly realized that I had much, a much more likelihood of being successful in radio and broadcasting than I did, you know, competing with Beyonce or something. So I went that route. Did you get any of your songs on the, on the show? No, none of my songs ever got played on the radio because I quickly switched gears. It was like within four months, I was like, you know, forget being a singer. I just want to go all in on radio. Yeah. All right. You went from being a singer to being a radio person. Okay, I got it. So keep going here. Okay. So then I ended up leaving Hot 97 because all of my siblings were in med school and my parents are very traditional immigrants. And so I was getting so much pressure because I dropped out of school, A, and B, because I was interning for free. And so they were kind of just like, Holly, get your life together. What are you doing? Like, you should be studying. You should go back to school. And so I was getting a ton of pressure. So I asked Hot 97 to pay me and I sort of made a stink about it. And I think they got scared. They ended up firing me. I don't know if you can fire someone that you're not paying, but they ended up cutting my key cards and saying, Holla, don't come back. And I ended up getting fired. So I was devastated. But wait a minute. At that point, you go back to your parents, you tell them, not only am I the failure in the family because I'm not getting paid, <laughs> but now I got fired on top of it all, huh? Yes, that but they were happy. Conversation. Yeah, I mean, they were happy. They're like, great. Now you can go back to school, which is exactly oh, what happy. I did. Oh, I okay, <laughs> so they're like, great. Now you can go back to school and start being a stop being a party girl. So I ended up going back to school at the same time, though, I got fired on a Thursday. By Sunday, I had a new idea and I decided I was going to launch something called the sorority of hip hop strawberryblunt.com. I was going to recruit other girls in the entertainment industry from places like VH1, Def Jam, iHeart and team up together and start a blog. I had learned how to blog at Hot 97. I used to blog for the other DJs, right? So I decided I was gonna start this website and I started building this website on a Sunday. Two weeks later, I had recruited 14 girls off Craigslist and Twitter to join me to be a part of the sorority of hip hop. I was the president and we had our first meeting at my college campus in a big boardroom and I launched this, this blog. By three months, we were one of the most popular hip hop and entertainment websites in the world. MTV was scouting us. I was going viral on Twitter because I figured out how to hack Twitter, essentially. I was the first blog to at mention celebrities in our blog posts automatically. So I had all these girls hook up to this platform that basically every time we put out a blog post, it would tweet something out on Twitter. And I had at the height of it, I had 100 girls in this organization. Everyone was synced up to this platform. And, and whenever we put out a blog, it'd be like 100 pretty girls tweeting out Drake or, you know, Diddy or whatever it was, and they would retweet us. And so we kept going viral. And so people wanted to, us to have TV shows. We started hosting the hottest parties in New York. The same DJs that I was getting coffee for and feeding the meter for started paying me to host all the parties with them because I had a big traction on Twitter and then basically had like a promotion machine. And so I started this blog events company and it got really big. And, and so I did that for three years. 
Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They're in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm gonna like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, hold on. I'm trying to figure out why (laughs) did you ever give this up? Because it sounds like, you know, you went to the top of the pyramid with this thing. Okay, you got all these women with you and you're, 
you've hit the top with the, the what was it called? The sorority again? The sorority of hip hop. I love the name. <laughs> okay. I can't, you know, you're, you're moving like at a thousand miles an hour here and I'm trying to like hold the, the reins back on the horse. Yes, okay. yes. But does anybody ever tell you that, that you got to slow down a little bit? You know? <laughs> I'm so used to telling my story. Yeah. And I can tell that you want to ask me a million questions. So feel free to pause me at any time. But it's all right. Keep going. I like this. You're I mean, you're going fast. I like this. Yeah. So really, to answer your question as why didn't I keep doing this? It's because I didn't figure out how to monetize the blog effectively right? I was a young girl. We were basically famous in New York and New Jersey, and we would make money hosting parties, but there were so many mouths to feed. Plus the cost of running a very popular website is expensive. I had to have multiple servers and like all this stuff. And I was just figuring this out. I was 20, like four years old, you know, I, I was just a baby. And so I was just trying to figure it out. And we weren't making enough money for everybody to live off of it, you know? And so MTV scouted us. And for, finally, I thought, all right, I worked at free for, at Hot 97 for three years. I've done this entertainment news site now. It's been two years. MTV wants to have me and be the star of a show. This was right after Jersey Shore had ended. I was literally going to be like the next Snooki. And MTV filmed us all summer. They got us a studio on Broadway. And they filmed us like in restaurants, walking on the street at my parents' house. And it was like a reality TV show that everybody was really bullish on. And they invested a ton of money into us. And I got my hair and makeup done every day. And I thought I was going to be famous. And I finally thought, okay, we made it. Because me and like six other top girls were going to get a consistent paycheck doing the show. And we had signed all these contracts. And I thought I was going to be rich and famous. And I had finally made it. And two weeks before the show was supposed to air, I get a call from the production director, Tiffany Williams. And she basically said, sorry, Hala, we're moving in another direction. We're not airing the show. I'm really sorry this happened. There's nothing you, like we can do. What does it mean that they're moving in another direction? I have no, they chose, they maybe the, they, they never just, told you. They never told me why. I never got to see the footage. It was just, that's it. They just said, sorry, we're moving in another, another direction. And I, again, it was another one of those like slap in the face moments. And I was, this time I was like devastated. All right. What'd you say to your parents then? I was hysterical. I just remember being hysterical, but there, the answer to them was always, all right, go back to school. <laughs> right. So I did. I went and got my MBA. I shut everything all down. Right, hold on, hold on. Stop, stop, stop. You went from all of this stuff, the influencer stuff, the sorority stuff, the radio stuff, and all of a sudden you decided to get an MBA. Is that yes. what happened? Okay. Exactly. Did that make your parents happy? It did, because I got a 4.0 and I actually did really good in school this time. Last, the first time around, I think I graduated with a 2.3 GPA. <laughs> so they were way happier this time around. And so I essentially gave up. I, I said, forget entertainment. I'm never going to make it. I got, I, I should have listened to my parents. Like, yeah, it was fun. I'm getting old and I can't be the, you know, president of the sorority of hip hop, you know, in my thirties, I better quit while I'm ahead and just decided I was just going to shut it down. And I had all these girls. So some of these girls are still mad at me for shutting it down, you know, and still contact me. Like, how could you have done this? Like, you know, you ruined our sorority and all this stuff. But I'm like, I can't, it, it wasn't paying the bills. And by the way, it was a lot of pressure for me for 
everybody's, it was all the weight on my shoulders. You know, I was the mastermind behind everything and it just was too much pressure. And I just thought, you know, if I can't be successful myself, how am I going to make 50 other girls successful? Right. And so I just decided to cut my losses and start off fresh and go into corporate. And so I got my MBA. I got a 4.0. I graduated number one in class. And the reason why I did that is because I knew I wasn't going to get a job unless I like could show like, Hey, like I just was not taking undergrad seriously and I am smart. And here's me proving that I am because my resume looked crazy at the time. I mean, I I was an intern at Hot 97 and the president of the sorority of hip hop. (laughs) That's an unusual resume. I will give you that. It is. Did you do the the MBA thing full time or were you doing it at night and doing something else? Great question. It was actually an executive MBA that I did on the weekend. And at the same time, I got an internship at Hewlett Packard. So I actually got my highest paying job as an intern at Hewlett Packard at the time I was making 70K a year, which to me back then was like, wow, like, you know, corporate's not so bad, you know? And so I loved that steady paycheck and I really embraced the opportunity. So I I got my MBA and at the same time I was working at Hewlett Packard, you know, 30 hours a week. What were you doing for them? I was basically doing social media for them at first. And then I ended up getting promoted and I worked there for four years and I got promoted. I had every single job you can think of in the marketing department. By the end of it, I was running a team of like 30 people and I was essentially the face of the young employees at Hewlett Packard. So I thought I was going to get there, you know, being 27 years old or whatever I was so late to the game. This was my first corporate job, 27 years old. Most people get their first corporate job when they're 22, right? And so I was like, oh man, like this is going to be so hard. And I was different. Like I dressed different. I talked different. Right. But I was so much more tech savvy than everyone else. And that made me accelerate my career so quickly. And I found myself jumping over people my age at HP because I was so outgoing. I was like an entrepreneur within the organization. I was taking what's called opportunity set B within my job. So there's opportunity set A, which is everything you're supposed to do. And there's opportunity set B, which is the things that you want to do to increase your skills and kind of get ahead. And so I was president of the Young Employee Network and running all their company picnics and interviewing the CEO and just kind of being a little entrepreneur, like I was saying, within the organization. Do you ever have any downtime? (laughs) Lately. (laughs) No, I mean, seriously. You're running at a thousand miles an hour with all these things. And I know you're accelerating the discussion because we're talking about it here. But I mean, you are some go getter. And I'm just what do you have hobbies? Do you have things that are not part of the, the the big picture for you? I do have hobbies. I mean, I'm really career focused. I would say for the past five years, especially, I was just nose down building this career. I mean, you don't become the podcast princess and essentially start to dominate an industry by, you know, not working extremely hard and being very focused. And so I was very focused the last four or five years. But lately, I've been trying to, you know, look at other parts of life that are priorities like relationships and, you know, having fun and traveling and all those kinds of things. But I I did feel like I needed to sacrifice temporarily and I don't regret it. Okay. Okay. All right. So keep going. We're, We're still climbing the ladder here. Okay. So we're at Hewlett Packard. So like I alluded to, I crushed it at Hewlett Packard. I <laughs> just got promoted left and right. I was uh, the face of the young employees. And we're going to rename the company Hewlett Packard Taha. 
<laughs> well, I literally thought I, I, for a period of time, I was like, oh, I'll just stay here until I become the CMO. You know, I literally thought that. And I remember I was, so I was president of this thing called the Young Employee Network. And then I became uh, the recruitment chair on the global Young Employee Network. So for those who don't know, especially this was, let's say six years ago or, or something like that. Six years ago, Hewlett Packard was 300,000 people. It was a huge company. It's, it's since then divided into two different companies. But when I worked there, 300,000 people and the young employees were all around the world and there was like 10,000 of them. So it was like a big deal to be like the spokesperson of everybody, all the young employees at Hewlett Packard. And sometimes I would find myself emailing the whole company like I was the CEO, like all the time as like the, the president of this young employee network. So anyway, I ended up applying to be the president of the Global Young Employee Network. It was like the last rung on the ladder of this like organization that I was a part of internally at the company, right? All right, don't tell me they fired you too. Yes. So, so, so after being the president for two years at my office and literally starting their company picnic, starting their holiday party, like literally starting it from nothing in New York, and then starting something called HPE Spirit Week all around the world, which is essentially a week-long event that they still do to this day, where like 500 offices around the world participate in the same event all week long. And I created it and it was like a big success. After doing all that, I had earned by every, like every person was like vouching for me, everybody on the board, I had earned that spot. The HR director gave it to somebody who literally had no experience within the organization, who was like local at their, at their site. Welcome to corporate America, huh? Yeah, and that person quit a month later. And you know what? So did I. So at that same time, I was like, checked out. I was like, wow, like I literally did this as a side hustle. And they slapped me in the face. They didn't even put me on the board. So I was pissed. I wasn't young and profiting. I was young and pissed at the time. And I decided, hey, forget it. I'm just going to start my own thing. I've worked corporate four years. I want to go back to broadcasting. I feel like I have done all that I can at HP. And in terms of like my like ability to rise up the ranks and they just slapped me in the face after I worked for free for them essentially for three years doing this whole internal culture building that I was doing. And I'm just going to start my own podcast. Why should I invest in them? I want to invest in myself. All right. But at that time, podcasts were, you know, they were established, but it it wasn't what it is now. No. And probably, you know, there were a lot of people that weren't making any money doing podcasting. So you took a leap with this, didn't you? I did. I I didn't do it for money. I, I never I actually didn't think it was possible to make money with podcasts because I had been in the radio world for many years before that and made no money. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a hobby, an outlet because I'm in the corporate world. I went to Disney. So at the same time, I got a job at Disney streaming services and moved there and I built this podcast. So you built the podcast while you were at Disney. Is that what you're saying? I started it at Hewlett Packard for like six months and then I moved to Disney. Okay. But in, in the meantime, you were doing the podcast creation, if you will, on the side. Exactly. And by the time I landed a job at Disney, I already had a number one how-to podcast. So the pod, they actually recruited me because of the podcast because it was streaming services and not nobody had TV streaming experience because it was a new thing. So 
podcast was a, a relevant transferable kind of skill. And so that's why Disney streaming recruited me is because I had a podcast. So I ended up going to Disney streaming, built this podcast on the side. My podcast just slowly just kept blowing up and blowing up. Disney was very supportive from the start because they knew about it from the start and they would allow me to interview celebrities during my lunch hour. And I, and I was just had this executive corporate job and at the same time had a podcast. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters, we are all making money, but is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Hey, Yap fam, starting my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass was one of the best things I've ever done for my business. I didn't have to waste time figuring out all the nuts and bolts of setting up a website that had everything I needed, like a way to buy my course, subscription offerings, chat functionality, and so on, because it was super easy with Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, whether you're selling your first product, finally taking your side hustle full time, or making half a million dollars from your masterclass like me. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered as you scale. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to other options out there. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., from huge shoe brands like Allbirds to vegan cosmetic brands like Thrive Cosmetics. Actually, back on episode 253, I interviewed the CEO and founder of Thrive Cosmetics, Carissa Bodnar, and she told me about how she set up her store with Shopify and it was so plug and play, her store exploded right away. Even for a makeup artist type girl with no coding skills, it was easy for her to open up a shop and start her dream job as an entrepreneur. That was nearly a decade ago, and now it's even easier to sell more with less thanks to AI tools like Shopify Magic. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. So you can focus on the important stuff, the stuff you like to do, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com profiting, and that's all lowercase. 
If you want to start that side hustle you've always dreamed of, if you want to start that business you can't stop thinking about, if you have a great idea, what are you waiting for? Start your store on Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Shopify.com slash profiting for $1 per month trial period. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Okay, and for them, they just, they didn't even care about it, I guess, on this, that you were doing this on the side because they didn't think this was going to amount to anything, probably. <laughs> yeah, so it's a funny story because I started my LinkedIn journey at the same time as my podcast. So now I'm one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn. Right. And so Disney didn't care about my podcast until I became more popular than their CEO was <laughs> on LinkedIn. <laughs> so then they started, they came around and they, they wanted to own my podcast. And I was like, you don't own my podcast. I reported this when I first got this job. And then they like backed off. But like there was a, a one point in time where Disney tried to say they owned my podcast. And obviously they so didn't. you were more popular than Bob Iger. Is that what you're saying? It was uh, the other president of Disney streaming services. But yeah, even Bob I Iger, see. I feel like I'm more popular than him, most likely. He probably are. He's not there any longer. <laughs> All right. You know, I feel like I have to like exhale here because your story <laughs> is like unbelievable. Okay. So you started the podcast, you made the podcast a success, but that wasn't enough for you. You had to go into this, the Yap Media thing. So tell us about that. Yeah. So... I had this big podcast while I was working at Disney, but still I wasn't really monetizing like that. That all happened like at once, right? So COVID hit and that was a crazy time for me because my family was one of the first families impacted by COVID. And so it was March of 2020 and I get a phone call from my sister and she's like, Hala, mom, dad, and your brother, your aunt, and your uncle all have COVID. This is right when everything first happened. Wow. And she's like, are you going to come home with me and help or not? You have 20 minutes. Let me know. And I'm like, okay. And so I literally packed my bag in 20 minutes. My sister picked me up and we went and took care of my parents who had COVID. And my father ended up going to the hospital and sadly he ended up passing away. But oh, what, no. what happened from was... From COVID, you mean? From COVID, yeah. Eesh. I know. So I was home and... Previously, I was living with my boyfriend. I ended up being home for three months because of this, because it's like I got COVID. At the time, people were really scared of people who got COVID. Oh, so sure. it wasn't like it wasn't like this, like now where like you get COVID and as soon as you're negative, you're like out and about. Back then it was like, no, you, like, you know what I mean? You were like dangerous to everyone. Right. And so yeah. Yeah. I literally was isolated for three months at home. Didn't see my boyfriend. All I had was like my dad was in the hospital. I was working from home at Disney. Everybody was working from home. And. I basically had all this new time. I had no social life. I had no commute. And at the same time, there was this lady, Heather Monahan, and she's a huge influencer on LinkedIn. She's one of my mentors now, my first client. And she basically was hounding me because she came on my podcast. And as a lot of guests did at the end of the show, they'd say to me, Hala, how'd you do this? how'd you grow your LinkedIn so big? How do you have such a big podcast and you're working a corporate job? Like, could you do this for me? And I'd always be like, no, I can't do it for you. I had a volunteer team. So this is something we didn't talk about 
I'll back up a little bit because I didn't mention it. So I've had a volunteer team helping me with Young and Profiting since the beginning. So by episode two, I had my first intern slash volunteer, who's now my business partner. By episode eight, I had 10 interns or volunteers in a Slack channel helping me. And I, because I just knew so much. And so these super fans would reach out to me on LinkedIn and be like, I'm obsessed with your show. I want to help get the message out there. Can I help you? I'll build your website or I want to help you do videos. Can I help you with videos? And so I had like one guy from Estonia building my website. I had a guy from Atlanta helping me from doing videos. I had somebody in California helping me with guest outreach. And so I started building this like little company without realizing it was a company. Right. And so Heather Monahan was like hounding me and she was like, Hala, I want you to do my videos. Like your videos are crazy incredible. Can you do my videos for me? And I was like, I can't do them for you because I have a, I have a, a job. I just have a small volunteer team and you know, I'll help you on the weekends. And so I would schedule calls with her over the, on the weekends and try to teach her how to make videos until one day she was like, Hala, I can't do this by myself. You have to do this for me. I'm going to be your first client. You can't say no. She's like, I just had a call with Gary V and VaynerMedia and your stuff is better than them. Like, I want to be your first client. Like you can do this. And so Heather became my first client for very cheap. I think she paid me $500 a month and we started doing her videos. Then we started taking over everything for her. My second client was a billionaire who paid us $30,000 a month and everything changed. Then I started paying everyone. Then I started recruiting more people. I built out a team in the Philippines and in India. Now I have 20 employees in the US. And I just, that just was basically my seed investor was my second client. And then I just got Kara Golden, the CEO of Hintwater, another big retainer. I got Brit Marine of Brit Co. And 1-800 got Junk CEO and just one after the another. And then I found myself six months into starting this business still at Disney with 30 employees and making way more money than I was at my corporate job. And then I, I, I ended up quitting and becoming a full-time entrepreneur. All right. I only have one question. When are you running for president? Huh? <laughs> I mean, that's about the only thing you haven't done. So I'm waiting for you to tell me. I do want to get into politics one day, but I don't <laughs> think president. I think I, I think I screwed that up already. <laughs> I don't know about that. You've got one heck of a resume. I mean, you've zigzagged all over the place, but each time you've zigged or zagged, you've gone up. Okay. And now you've really hit the top and you're still young. And that's an amazing story. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Do you ever sleep? I didn't for a while. I used to, I was saying like for four years, I feel like I ran on four or five hours of sleep, especially honestly, the hardest time I worked was running my podcast, my company and working Disney. I freaking was an animal at that time. Once I quit my corporate job, it got a little bit more focused, but it was just accelerating like crazy. Like I got on the cover of podcast magazine and like just started monetizing my podcast and getting sponsors. And I had no time either as my, what my first basically year of entrepreneurship, but now it's kind of settling down and I feel like I have a life again. All right. Good for you. So where's it going to go in the future? What are you thinking of next? So I started a podcast network. So I figured out how to monetize my show and grow it. I'm one of the foremost experts in terms of media buying and podcasts and monetizing podcasts. And so I started a podcast network. I have about 20 shows and we just got signed to Cumulus Podcast Network, which is owned by Westwood One. It's a huge, it's like Ben Shapiro's network. And um, so I'm really focused on growing my podcast network and my agency. 
This has been some experience to hear all of this. I want to congratulate you for all the success. I mean, uh, it's been quite remarkable. But like I said a moment ago, you, you kept failing upwards, okay, which is really something that's very hard to do. And uh, you've got a great podcast. You've got a great agency. You're, you're moving. You keep smiling. I wish everybody could see your face because she smiles during the entire discussion, which I like when people do that. <laughs> So it's been a fantastic uh, experience to interview you. We've been talking with Hala Taha, who is the top of the game in podcasting with Young and Profiting. And then she's got Yap Media. She's going to run for president one day. You heard it here first. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's really been fun. Thank you so much, Robert. I have to say you're a really fun host and my energy just matched yours. So thank you so much. <laughs>